everybody to the Lunacy Podcast, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. My name is Tony. I'm here with Dave and Connor. Dave Stevens, Connor Ennis. I am Tony Pervenanzi. Another Zoom cast on this uh, nice uh, summer Sunday in Minnesota. Um, you guys get out. Well, I know Connor, you were out at your. Uh, you were up at a lake. Uh, I this was weekend. up at Lake Pelican. Yep. Uh, uh, lake Pelican. Yep. Um, it's about half hour past Alexandria. Yeah, and uh, so you were having a good time on a lake. Um, Dave, were you out on the golf course this weekend? No, um, you know what? I did not get out golfing this weekend. I uh, managed to enjoy some of the nice weather we had on Friday night, got out in the patio a little bit, uh, got some golf in last weekend, but not so much this weekend. But yeah, that would be my ideal summer activity on a nice morning like this. Although, yeah, we skirted the rain a little bit. I think we got a little here but uh, not yeah. too bad. Just a beautiful weekend all in all. Yeah. I kind of spent most of my, <laughs> I ended up spending most of yesterday just in, you know, anticipation of the game, which of course didn't start till 1030 central time here. And uh, boy, kind of made for a long day of waiting. So well, it was, uh, it was not fun waiting. I mean, it, West coast games are never fun to wait for because usually at nine or nine 30, but waiting until 1030 is kind of a, kind of a stretch. And the reason why that happened, everybody who listens to this podcast probably knows is because they broke like a temperature record in Portland yesterday, and yeah, uh, it was what uh, it was 106 at the airport yesterday, which right. was a record. So yeah, yep. pretty wild. Yeah, I think at that time of night it still felt like 103. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was not uh, not great weather for soccer. Uh, Seattle and Portland and all the Northwest really broke records yesterday, and they're going to going to again today. So uh, something they don't see out there very often. So. Mm. But uh, I uh, haven't really done anything this weekend other than wait for the game last night. Uh, I thought about mowing the lawn this weekend, but it rained. So I'm like, eh, I'm done with that. Um, You guys are, well, Connor, you have a yard, right? Yeah. um, And, you know, over the past week, I have noticed that it has not been growing as much as uh, it usually does. But with the rain and... uh, Mm -hmm. And everything i'm hoping it grows a little grows back a little because it normally grows super fast yeah um and we also have a sprinkler system in our backyard but well, that's, uh, yeah see there you go it's yeah that's something dave you don't have to worry about because you're in a townhouse but uh right right uh the sprinkler systems i've been running mine every other day because we're on even odd here in otsego uh, i got my water bill for last month yeah i'm not going to be running my sprinklers that much anymore without getting into detail like what uh, like what percent higher compared to say normal to normal or, yeah or oh. like on summer say what's it compared to say january three times three times oh wow. yeah. jeez. yeah it's it's not good it's and it's it, the thing is guys and i've kind of gotten on this in the last couple of years there's no reason to keep your lawn green if you're not getting rain i mean lawns are just a waste of space anyways i mean they're not native the grass is not native to north america you know this stuff is not native and we waste all this green space on this green grass we waste so much water on keeping it green it is ridiculous and so most of my neighbors have like decided they're not going to water their lawns that much and it's all brown um i've I guess my wife wants to look green. I don't know why she's worried about the neighbors thinking we're bad people. I don't give a shit, honestly. 
you know? Well, if the neighbors but, are all brown too, then why would they, why would they care? You know, because the neighbors on both of my, uh, my two sides here, both run their sprinkler systems. So she'll think that we're kind of the odd people not to do it. And, you know, I guess I could get around it by running it once every like four days or something like that. But, you know, I just have to cut down on it because it's, it's a waste of money and it's a waste of water. But uh, anywho, uh, are you guys drinking some Minnesota beers? Sure am. Mm. Okay. Well, I'll go first because I we've had this beer before on the podcast, I believe, a while ago. But uh, I'm drinking something from uh, Mankato Brewery. And it is their, uh, let's see, it's their tangerine tart. It is their uh, sour tangerine ale, I believe. And uh, yeah. It's good. It's a uh, got a that sounds pretty tasty. Five percent ABV, ten IBUs. I mean, it's it's a it's a sipper, but it's it's a sipper because it's so sweet. But uh, yeah, I right don't mind it. I've been kind of uh, not drinking uh, as much as I did in Vegas. Well, of course not, because Vegas I drink a lot. But um, I've kind of toned myself down because. Um, Monday of this week, I woke up with a bad case of heartburn. And uh, so I've been on some heartburn medication this week. And I've been trying to kind of get myself back to normal. I don't know why. You guys ever had heartburn before? Oh, yes. Not, yeah, not severe. But yeah, of course, like, mm. minor, you know, relatively minor. But Ooh, mine was uh, mine was bad. Mine was uh, up in the uh, chestal areas too. Oof, mm. it just gets that you. sucks. And it just feels like it concerns you because you think you're having a heart attack, but then you're like, oh no, it's indigestion because you feel it in the throat. And uh, so all week I've been taking some pills, try to get her done. So getting, getting those tums in there. Oh uh, no, it's uh, I take. I'm trying to think what it's called. It's um, it's a generic brand of something, but uh, it's a mm. daily thing. And uh, yeah, it sucks. I haven't had heartburn this bad in like 15 years and uh, it's not good. It probably has to do with my anxiety because I had anxiety before I left for Vegas and now we're kind of, you know, my mind is doing stupid shit again. So trying to call it down. So this is my first beer in like a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I suppose coming back from a Vegas trip, you almost got to kind of wean yourself off unless you want to go cold turkey, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. Maybe, otherwise, you're gonna have the shakes and stuff. It's, yeah, not good. Uh, Connor, what do you got today? Uh, well, you might remember last week, Tony, that you guessed my brewery. It was Outstate. Actually, you... hold on a second, Connor. I didn't mean to guess it. I didn't remember that it was Outstate Brewing. I meant Outstate Minnesota, mm. like out of the metro. Oh, that's what I meant. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what I meant. I didn't realize it was, his name was Outstate Brewing Company. I swear. I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a, I have an Outstate Brewing from Fergus Falls, Minnesota, actually. Um, and it's something called the Star Island IPA, which is your typical run-of-the-mill IPA. Uh, very hoppy, uh, kind of a, a clear, kind of a clear brownish uh, IPA, which is something I'm not really used to uh, <laughs> with them. Uh, but the ABV is 7.2, the IBU is 72, so it's uh, it's it's fairly. I, I'm sipping it. I I'm it would definitely. I mean, I would definitely not chug it. But since when would you chug chug an IPA? So, um, but yeah, I've uh, I've got it right here, and 
Uh, it's good. I it's just that kind of hoppy that that makes it a typical IPA, and it's uh, so right up my alley. Good deal. Yeah, like I said, I outstay. I seriously, I did I didn't remember that was the name of the brewery. Oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, I should have said Greater Minnesota. I shouldn't said Outstate Minnesota. Gotcha. My problem. Uh, Dave, what do you got today? Well, I got something that kind of rolls right past what I what I had last week. So if you remember last week, less than a week ago when we recorded, uh, I had I went with I ended up going with the Indeed uh, Tangerine Cream Ale, kind of like their uh, Indeed's Pistachio Cream Ale, but uh, with just a tangerine hint. And uh, so I kind of got I, I'm on the same uh, same theme here. And I saw something today that really looked good, so I thought I'd pick it up. I got a beer from Insight Brewing, and uh, it's actually called the orange espresso cream ale so very you guys are sti- sticking with the the orange tangerine theme if yeah. i had known there was a theme i would have uh joined into the party <laughs> here guys well. yeah it's probably why it jumped out to me uh in the liquor store because this is a beer it's it's kind of their it's actually a limited spring release that they have but it's still available you can still find it. it's certainly not one of their mainstays on tap in their tap room um but a beer that I would really kind of liken this to is one of their mainstays at their tap room. And that would be their uh, Banshee cutter. And oh, that's yeah. uh, what are they, they basically just call that their coffee gold nail. Yep. And it's, th- I would say this is, if you put a blindfold on me, I actually might not be able to tell the difference because what, unlike the indeed tangerine cream ale, the, the, um, this beer from uh, insight actually has much more of a coffee note to it. And it's almost like the orange part of it is kind of secondary, which is not bad. It makes it um, makes for a very smooth, balanced beer. And just the orange kind of adds to the a little bit to the creaminess, because I would say this cream ale is very lager like. But uh, yeah, so it's refreshing. So nice. I like uh, Insights Good. I have their um, Doe Eyes, which is their cherry. I don't know if it's a cherry wheat beer or something like that. They used to make that there. Um but yeah, Insight's great. Uh, yeah, Insight is where uh, Michael Boxall had his uh, collaboration go through there. That's right. That's a right. A while ago. That's right. And uh, speaking of uh, Michael Boxall, um, he's going to be gone for a while before we get into some other things here, guys. He has been called up by the uh, New Zealand national team to play in the Olympics. Um, so. Is, uh, and that's interesting because that's a, you know, a U23 tournament, of course, but they, I think it, it it's always, or at least I don't want to say always, but it's for quite some time. It's been the case where teams can select, I think, three players that are of any age, any seniority on the, on the, for their national teams. And I'm, yeah, it's something like right. three. So he's it's one of those three. players. Yep. yep. So he'll be going to the Olympics, um, which means he's going to miss, I, I did some estimates he's going to miss at least four games, if not six or six or seven, um, depending on how far New Zealand goes in the tournament. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the loons do in the, uh, in defense back in the, the middle of the defense there, who's going to be playing next to Debassi. Um, I I'm thinking it's probably going to be Kalman. Uh, yeah. but I, uh, I think, I, I don't think I think, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised though, if we see Retalia there, mm-hmm. um, but certainly, you know, certainly I, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if Coleman doesn't get some starts. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I really, as long as Coleman and Retalia are both healthy on the roster, I don't think you're going to see Heath get too fancy. Like no. maybe, you know, cause 
Um, I, like Jeremy Rushing, I, I watched his um, pot on eludes the after show, and he 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 had a few ideas, which you know I think we'd all like. You know, maybe you could slot in Dotson to the right back, and then move you know Metinier into a more of a central role, center back position, but. I just, knowing Heath, I don't think he's going to get too fancy. And I think I, I, yeah, Tony, we'll see. I'm sure we'll see Coleman and uh, I bet we'll see a fair share of Vitaly as well. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's Jeremy rushing. It's not pot on you loons. It is. Uh, hmm. I think it's, what is it? Uh, 10, it's 10,000, 10, whatever. 10,000 pitches. Yeah. Yep. And he has uh what's his the name? post loon show is I'm yeah. sorry. I think it's called the post loons post loons. Yeah where he usually does it uh, right after the match. But of course he didn't do it uh, early this morning. He did it uh, noon today. Yeah. But yeah, that's, if you haven't checked that out, um, just jump onto Twitter and uh, mm -hmm. Twitter or YouTube right after the game. Cause I've, I've found it really good, really informative. Yep. And he has uh, one of the guys from uh, the dummy run podcast on there as well. Yeah. Uh, he, they tend to have, I think he tends to have rotate rotating guests. Yeah. So. I haven't been called to be a guest yet. Wow. No, I, you know, I miss, I missed, I actually missed, I, uh, I think it was, it was Wednesday's game against Austin that I, I was, uh, I hadn't seen his notifications, but he was actually looking for a co-host for after Wednesday night's game. Now I didn't even see the tweet until the, the show had started, but uh, wow. I, I, we could have thrown our name in there. One of us for uh, some lunacy podcast representation. So well, if you want a message to look out for later. If yeah. you want, if he wants comedy relief, I mean, that's, that's my forte. I'm not really, uh, I can just do wild uh, zingers. That's about it. So, um, all right, guys, let's talk before we get into the games, guys, we need to discuss, uh, what happened last night, uh, between, uh, Fragapane and Chara, um, just to get everybody, and I'm sure everybody's heard this already, um, in the 66th minute, uh, Chara fouled Fragapane just outside the box. Um, then right after that, the game was stopped. Uh, the officials brought over uh, Chara and uh, who's the other captain for uh, Portland? Um, uh, was it Valeri? Valeri, yep. Brought over yep. Chara, Valeri, and then our captains, Will Trap and, and uh, Boxel came over. Um, there was a long conversation. We we didn't know what happened. Nobody on the, on the, on the TV crew knew what was going on. There was a lot of back and forth. Um, it was very, there wasn't a lot of, it was very confusing, but it didn't seem like anybody was really like that upset. Uh, Valeri, no. like he was more upset than anybody else. Yeah. And if you remember um, it, it was, it was right after it was like, I mean, Jeremy Ababasi had a great chance. It was like in the 63rd minute. And I think it, he sailed it over the post, but I mean, he probably should have done better to equalize in that moment. But uh, it was, that's what, you know, that, that was the highlight. That was the run of play, the action that everybody was watching. Mm -hmm. And then I think the incident between Frankopani and Chara happened over on the right side of the pitch, but they didn't show that you didn't, you couldn't see it in the run of play. And so yep. it was right after his shot went high and then play kind of stopped, you know, they were just showing everybody, you know, and obviously was obviously disappointed, but just kind of staying there calm. And then, then that's when you saw the referee, you know, you, you did out of the corner of the screen, you saw Chara come up, come up to the referee with his arm in the air. Yep. And then, like you said, Tony, just kind of had a kind of a calm, calm discussion with the ref, referee. And then the referee started to call, call everybody over. But yeah, it was just unusual at the time because watching the broadcast, you'd have, you could have no idea what happened. So, and during this, 
you know, I think, you know, obviously Cal, I was watching the Valley Sports North broadcast and Cal and Kendra, they, 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 they weren't there. They were, no. you know, recording remotely. So they didn't really know either. And then the only really replay they showed of the, of, of the, of the incident was, you know, Chara kind of came in and tackled yeah. um, Frank Pony pretty hard, but then as mm-hmm. the camera panned away. So really mm-hmm. we, as a viewer, we had no, we had no insight as to what actually happened. Nope. And, uh, so that went on for a couple, probably like five minutes. Um, yep. And uh, they talked to, they talked to the coach of Portland, the officials talked to the coach, talked to Heath. And then all of a sudden, at, well, then uh, Charo was given his yellow card at that point. So um, I thought it had something to do with the tackle on Fragapone. Fragapone. That's what I thought. And I thought. And it's the, and it's the only thing we could see yeah. as viewers. So we went to bed last night not knowing what happened woke up this morning to a bunch of news saying that the reason chara stopped the stopped the play and talked to the officials because he claims that fragapane called him something racist uh used a word or or whatever um the uh, portland's uh manager came out and said that um he basically he believes believes chara um that uh he, why would he say anything different and was really kind of pissed off um the of course guys the whole issue is only chara and uh fragapane know what was said um and so the mls is going to investigate it lots of statements have been made from portland from the mls from uh from the loons in regards to it um but again uh, I think from my standpoint, and I think a lot of people uh, agree with this is that we got to kind of let things kind of play out. Um, there has been a lot of um, really kind of, um, I won't say crazy, but a little bit overboard talk on the social media in regards to Fragapane saying he should be cut from the team. He should be suspended. He should be this, this, and this. Um, again, until we know exactly what happened, or MLS comes out and says, here it is, we, we shouldn't be making judgments on, uh, on Fragapane or Chara for that matter. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, uh, I see a lot of people, like I said, talking about suspensions just because Chara said something, that's a slippery slope that we don't wanna go down. Uh, that would lead to a lot, of, a lot of crap in MLS. And yeah, we know soccer, not only MLS, but worldwide has a problem with racism. We understand that. Um, but these are the types of things we have to work through to get better at it. Right. Um, so let's let things progress. Let's let MLS get in there and do their thing. Talk to Chara, talk to Fragapane, see what's going on. Uh, and then whatever is decided, then we can have opinions about that. Right. So. Exactly. And, and, I, and, yeah, like, and I, uh, racism in soccer is never acceptable. Um, it's, uh, I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that anything happened. Uh, I mean, obviously something happened last night, but, uh, um, I don't, uh, I mean, again, yeah, like you, like you say, Tony, it's, um, it, we have to make it do an investigation, but innocent and pro- innocent until proven guilty, if is what I'm saying here, yeah. because, um, because we don't, um, again, we don't know what was said and, mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to have to jump to conclusions on what we think may or may not have happened 
mm-hmm. uh, and potentially come to the wrong decision here. We need to. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a great uh, it, it's very good to wait until all of the uh, facts are in with the investigation. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's uh, it's been blown up, obviously, but uh, it's it's just it's it, premature. It's it's yep. so premature. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I don't like, I well said Connor, I, yeah, you can't defend racism. That's not what I want. There's zero tolerance. There should be zero tolerance. And that's more or less what MLS's policy is. And that's why they're, you know, they didn't MLS, you know, you know, we should make just to clear it up. MLS really didn't waste any time. I mean, they, they, they're, they're taking this very seriously and they have started an investigation and then, you know, Minnesota United, obviously they're, they're they have the same policy and they're going to fully cooperate and try and get to the bottom of it and uh, and i hope they do and it's another thing you know they can have in, in so-called internal investigations also and find out you know well how did this start how did this happen what exactly happened and you know i know there's some cultural differences here and i don't even you know i don't i mean i won't even go there but you know i think if you know you know frank Aponi has literally been in mls playing for three games so i mean you know if so if they find out, you know, he did something or said something that's offensive to, to any player, then, you know, that has to be corrected. And, and, you know, he needs to know that and, you know, and the punishment will come if, if that's what uh, was found. So, Agreed. but just, just certainly, you know, maybe he needs to be educated, but then again, all this is speculation because I don't know what he said, who knows what he said. And it's yeah. not that I don't believe Chara. It's just that I don't know. And how can we know? Just want to clean it up a little tone. The yellow card that Char got was in the 70th minute, so it was actually after this incident. Um, I think it was. I think it was for the, foul. the, the they, Okay. It so was by the for time. The, yeah. Okay, it, that, and the, that would make sense, Tony. Yeah, because yeah, there's so that's when he, the referee finally raised mm-hmm. raised the mm-hmm. card. But yeah, that that would have been 70th minute. So yeah, this happened 63rd, yep. 64th minute. Yep. And yeah, that's that was the five minute delay. Okay. Right. Yep. And uh, so guys, to wrap this up, the only way that MLS is going to make this, you know, even do even better in terms of what people are saying on the pitch is to mic everybody up. Um, because then you'd be able to see, hear everything these guys are saying. Um, until they do that, we'll, we're going to have incidents like this. We're going to have yeah. things happening like this. Um, and if you decide that, you know, your new policy is going to be just to send a guy off if somebody comes up and raises their hand and says, he said, you know, a racist remark to me, you're going to send a bad president for the future of this league. Um, and uh, there's got to be a better way to deal with this. Um, there is. There, there, is. there yeah. is. Yeah. And, you know, in MLS, you know, soccer around the world, it's racism is an issue. It always has mm-hmm. been. And, you know, unfortunately it continues to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I think um, I don't, I think MLS will, will, you know, they have, they have rules, regulations in place and they're going to, they'll, they'll do what they can. And you look at the incident that happened uh, actually, you know, you're looking at the Mexican national team play. Uh, there right. was an incident, you know, it yep. happened a few times, but the, the incident that happened in Denver against when they played uh, the United States men's team in the, uh, the CONCACAF nations league final, yep. you know, they actually stopped play. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they have policies in place, you know, and so I, you know, I, they want to get to the bottom of this and they're going to have things like things set up, like the sanctions they have on Mexico. Like, for example, I think they have to 
what was it? They, they, their next two games, they can't, uh, oh, fans. In front of fans and their next two home games happen to be world cup qualifiers. So yep. FIFA yep. and, you know, soccer, United States, soccer, MLS, they take this stuff very seriously as they should. Yep. Yeah. And the right things are being done right now, uh, to take steps. Uh, unfortunately it's going to be a length, lengthy process, but we are doing, uh, they are, everybody is doing the right thing to make sure that racism is being kicked out of soccer. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, one good step it's, it's unrelated to the, to the game last night, but, um, one good step that's being taken is down in Australia, they are using, uh, microphones to mic up the refs actually to oh. make sure that, uh, everybody can, every, everybody who could be able to hear, uh, what, what's going on around the refs and what's going on when the refs are in VAR. And mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a good start. And MLS should learn from an example like that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, moving forward, guys, let's get out of this. Let's talk about a game we had on Wednesday. Um, we did play a game Wednesday. Um, it was home. It was uh, the first home game uh, to have full stadium capacity since the playoff game two and a half years ago. Um, so, uh, Connor, you were there. Uh, was. was it nice to be back in front of uh, like 40 or 14, what is it? 19,000 people? 19,000. The, end, the, uh, the, the count at the end was about 19,200. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it was incredible. Um, I had forgotten what it was like to, to sit in front of a whole, whole crowd like that. Uh, but yeah, it was great to, to hear all the songs being sung and to be in my old seats again and to see, every, see how the, the atmosphere energized the players too. Uh, because uh, for those who don't know, Minnesota had a great game on Wednesday as well. Um, the uh, let alone on Sunday, they've been playing well for these past couple games. Uh, but I, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, you could hear the songs being sung and the, uh, the banging of the drums and, uh, whenever players scored, you could hear a roar of, uh, people roaring that last name three times after each goal. And so it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And the, uh, I'm sure the lines were super long again, right? The line the lines for, uh, Beer oh, yes. and all. Yeah. 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 I, I, I ended up getting to the game actually a little late because I got sent out to Chaska at the last minute that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I got there right around the time of kickoff and uh, I, could, I looked at the brew hall and it was still insanely crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I can't, I can't wait that long to go. So I, I went to one of the side uh, kiosks over by my seat. And even then it was probably about a five to 10 minute wait for a beer. Yep. There. Not like, not like when we were there for the home opener with 4,400 people and you could just go get a beer whenever you wanted to and right. not worry about a line or anything like that. So yeah, it, it's the small thing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like what the pandemic had done to life in general, you know, when you, mm-hmm. you know, early on, especially in the pandemic, you'd drive down the road during rush hour and there'd be nobody on the road yep. and you think to yourself, wow, this no traffic is nice or yeah, Tony, yeah waiting in line for a beer or bathroom, no hey. line. That's nice. But we'd all rather have the alternative of a packed house at Allianz Field. So Absolutely. that was that, it's fortunate, Connor, that you were able to be there to experience yeah. it. I uh, No, I'd rather not have the alternative of uh, traffic because uh, traffic for me sucks. And during the pandemic, it was super nice to be able to drive to work and not worry about getting stopped anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I tell you the honest, 
honest truth, guys, be back in a stadium full and having the lines, I'd actually probably enjoy waiting in line because I haven't done it for a long time. So, um, so home game against Austin, guys, uh, we come out with a lineup that uh, was very nice. It's the lineup that it's the lineup Heath wants minus one guy minus Robin Lude, who's his euros are over. So he'll be back at some point in the next week here. Um, yeah, but, you, would, uh, you would, you would think he would be back. I, you know, I don't, yeah. nobody knows for sure. I don't think even the announcers didn't last night, but it, you, yeah. you would expect he should be available next weekend. So of course, MLS soccer.com has us at a four, four, two. That is wrong. We were, yeah. we did a, uh, four, three, no, it was a four, two, three, one. Yeah. They went back to the four, two, three, one, because, yep. and you know, and I, we talked about this last week and it, this is kind of the lineup I want to see with, I mean, yep. with the players that are available now, yep. obviously I want to see Lude come back, but mm-hmm. this was a lineup because they, you know, Reynoso made the start in the central attacking midfield role and that pushed Hanu up, up in the striker position and you had uh, Frank Abane out left. So this was kind of the lineup I was looking forward to seeing with Ray Frank Apane and Hanu all in the lineup. That's yeah. that's what I was looking for. So Dave, you got to watch your Anus. And that's not Hanu. It's Anu. Am I saying that? Yeah. Anu. Okay. Anu. You're gonna people on people on uh, Twitter are gonna go crazy if you keep saying yeah, come, at, Anu. come at me. Come at that's me. right. Hey, I'll just you know just for everybody listening. If hopefully I'm not annoying anybody, but uh, it won't be the last time I say Hanu. <laughs> but I'll try my best to say Hanu. Yeah, Anu. So, yeah, it was a great lineup. I was really excited on Wednesday uh, to see that lineup. And uh, yeah, it did, didn't really didn't disappoint. Yeah. And uh, your new your new guy. So Langsdorf has kind of been loaned out. So Langsdorf can't yeah. be your guy anymore. So Dave's new guy, Nico Hansen, got the start uh, where Lude would previously probably be at some right. point. So um, and uh, Ray was back in there. So we have we had Ray, Anu, uh, Ragapane all playing at the same time. And so, your preferred your preferred back line is all available mm-hmm. and healthy. Your yep. Tyler Miller is continuing his really strong mm-hmm. run here, kind of taking over that number one goalkeeping position. Yep. So maybe I wasn't nuts back in the preseason when I was predicting Tyler Miller would be the number one goalkeeper. But uh, well, you know, he got that sponsorship with uh, Greenbelt, so. They got to play him. I think that's part yeah. of the deal. They have to play him. Yeah, um, he's he's standing on his head, literally. I mean, and he has been since he came in. So, yeah, I mean, as we all know, Dane Sinclair, how good he can be. But, yeah, with what Tyler Miller is doing, uh, yeah, he's got to continue to start. I don't see any other way. The other nice yeah, thing – Go ahead. Yeah. The more the more clean sheets he gets, the more sh- the more grain builds he gets. So that's uh, right. It's a good incentive for you. They just keep trucking like uh, cases down to his house. I'm telling you right now. Nice. Um, the other nice thing too was uh, Hassani Dotson got to start in the middle there in the midfield. Uh, the def- the defensive mid role where he is mm-hmm. that's his kind of natural position. I think. Yeah. I mean, I that's think he's kind strongest of, there. Yeah, that's yeah. what he was doing with the U23s when he got his call up in the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's, it almost seems I, in my opinion, he's more of an eight than a six, but I mean, he, especially in like the game last night and the, even the game on Wednesday against Austin, we're talking about now, I, I mean, I, the fluidity between, um, Will Trapp and, and Dotson, I think in that defensive role, whether the eight, eight or the six, I just love how they're really good together. It seems, yep. and they both have the kind of freedom. They both have that trust where you'll see, you'll see Dotson more often, you know, he'll be the guy that's kind of going box to box, going way, especially in the attacking role. 
but uh, you, you see Will Trapp kind of doing the same thing. And it's almost like they've got a really good connection and chemistry and that fluidity is really, really great. Which doesn't bode well for Jan Gregus when he comes back from his Euro stuff, because I have a feeling he will not be starting in the midfield when he comes back. Well, uh, I mean, do you know, I mean, do you know who coaches this team, Tony? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Heath, but I'm telling you, I think Dotson being the young guy, Jan not really looking that great this no, season. No, he hasn't. For the record, um, I mean, I, I'm a Jan uh, supporter, but you're right, Tony. He, he hasn't looked his best this year, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, that really, I mean, that's a good conversation. Like, yeah, I think we all agree that Robin Lude will slot in for um, slot in on the right side for, you know, uh, right now, Nico Hansen is there. I don't think there's a lot of disagreement in that. Although if you look a little closer at the last couple of games, I mean, Nico Hansen, I don't even think you have to look closely. And Nico Hansen, unfortunately, his finishing has been off, but he's been pretty solid. And so at least, you know, he's got a, you know, Robin Lude, I don't think is any danger of losing his starting role in this team no. right now, but at least he has somebody to push him a little bit in practice. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and then you have that depth that this team has really enjoyed, uh, especially all across, all across the pitch, but that, that's just another position. And there was, you know, it's nice to have Nico Hansen healthy after uh, basically sitting out the first, first few games in preseason. So that is yeah. exciting. Well we're going but, to yeah uh, that is the dot the dots and rolling into Dotson. Yeah, it's a little harder to take Dotson out now because I mean Dotson has basically started every single game. Maybe he did not start one game, I think. He's basically started a majority of the games for this club, whether it's been at left wing, much to our dismay, or or right wing, or yeah, I don't think he started in the de defensive spot this year. Maybe he has, but uh he's always out there. Heath obviously loves him, and we didn't I think we didn't even bring this up. We should. Uh, they signed Dotson to a three-year contract, I think, extension yep. recently. So good for him, good for Dotson. But that just goes to show you how much they, this club values Dotson. And yeah, it, a struggling Gregorius might uh, it might be a little harder for him to get in the lineup with Dotson playing the way he is. Well, and yeah, it's it'll be interesting when he comes back to see what exactly they do. Um, but let's kick this game in the high gear and get through it because it was on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to start right away, guys, in the 10th minute. The loons come out like, I mean, the whole pre previous to this goal, they were coming out like gangbusters against this awesome team. They, yeah. it looked like they wanted this game like so bad. Um, and uh, Fragapane gets the uh, first goal here in the 10th minute, uh, nine, well, 10, actually 10th minute. Yep. Yeah. Uh, nice little uh, upper decker there uh, from him. Uh, it, it was, I mean, it was inside the box, but I mean, mm -hmm. I called it a stop. I mean, it was just a beautiful goal mm -hmm. and uh, it was. It, I was just blown away by it. It just, he put it in the mm -hmm. perfect spot. The goalkeeper had no chance at it. Yep. And then uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, Roman Metnir just oh, did yeah. a beautiful job of getting him the ball. Yep. Get credit with the assistant, but he, he, it was basically the end line. He got the ball through traffic, put it right on Frank Apone, who had, I think had a, a, a kind of a well all things considered nice first touch to keep that ball under control and then just shot it into the upper corner it was just Took it, beautiful but hit it off the bounce hit it off yeah, the bounce you know and it's not easy to hit a ball hit a shot off the bounce like that either no. so well done to no. fragapani for making that quick calculation no. to put it into the top corner uh, yeah beautiful I, I just wanted yeah i wanted to bring metonier up because that was just a beautiful he did he did a lot of work just a beautiful assist got i mean it wasn't an easy it wasn't just a layoff to uh, Frank Opponent for his goal. It was, he really got it 
he really did a hell of a job getting the ball to him. And in general, I think Roman Metnier had a really, really solid game. And he has. He's looked very solid for a while now. He's shaking some of the rust off from earlier in the year. Um, I think yeah, kind of like his uh, his um, the on the 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 uh, fullback on the other side of the pitch, Chase Gasper. Who? He's knocked a little Chase Who? Gasper, Chase Who? Gasper, Chase. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, but seriously, Chase I think the Jasper. whole the whole team is playing better. Gasper has been better recently. There's no yeah. doubt about it, and and part of that's probably because well, I shouldn't say probably. Yeah. I think it's because, you know, they've got uh, DeBossi back. They've got Frank Opone now for the last few games starting ahead of him on the left side. So that's kind of goes back to that conversation where it's like, well, can one guy make a difference on this team? Well, in a way, yes. But in a way, it's been the addition of Frank Opone on the left wing. You've Now you've got Hanu starting. You've got DeBossi back and healthy. So, I mean, it's not like one guy has made all the difference in the world. But, boy, you have – you know, the new additions in Frankopani and the new Anu coming in and as well as getting players like Debassi healthy. So it's, it's really, it's, I don't think it's any coincidence. This team is, is playing better now. And when we're sitting at Oh, and four scratching our heads, you know, they were missing a piece or two. Maybe that's what it was. And obviously it could have been well, and not only that, they had some injuries they had, they just, they didn't look, you know, they didn't look like a full team in the beginning of the season. Um, uh, I see now that they're pretty much hitting on all cylinders, which is why eight minutes after that first goal, guys, uh, Adrian Anu scores off the corner kick from Fragapane. Um, and it's interesting, guys, and I think you both have probably noticed this, that now Fragapane is taking corners from the left side. The and, left side, yeah. And, did, and Reynoso is taking from the right. Did we and I did we bring this up last week? I think we did because Tony, you and I were watching the the FCD game together, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw that immediately that Frank Opone mm-hmm. was was taking the corners from the left side. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because it was interesting. I watched was watching the game, and it almost I almost thought that Cal and Kendra were kind of surprised. They weren't surprised yeah. because at that moment, just before that moment of, of winning, Frank Opone took the corner on the left side there. Uh, Reynoso actually, I think he was off the pitch because he got banged up. Yep. Um, right. Reynoso got banged up a couple times in this game. Um, right. Almost nearly came out of the game. So a lot, a lot happened in between Frank Apane's goal and Anu's goal. And yep. and one big thing that happened was uh, um, Reynoso got hurt, or so it appeared. He al- they almost subbed uh, Jacory Hayes in for Reynoso, yep. but Reynoso was like, no, 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 not mm-hmm. you're not taking me out. And so. Nope. I think, but during the corner kick, Reynoso was not on the pitch or just not even an option. Nope. Uh, but it doesn't, I mean, Fragapane taking it from the left side makes sense uh, since he's a right footer. Um, Reynoso's better with his left foot, so. And we um, did see, right. and then if you kept watching that game, Reynoso did then take a, I think he took mm-hmm. the next corner from the right side. Yep. So I guess we'll probably expect to see that going forward. Yep. So, it may, a news goal makes us up two nil guys. And it's only the 20th damn minute. And it's just, game. yeah. So, so yeah, let's point out like Frank Pony, that's his second goal in two games. Now mm-hmm. um, he scored. Yeah. Did I get that right? He scored. Yeah. He scored against Dallas. Yep. And then he scored. Yeah. against Austin. So that's two goals in two games. And then, yeah. And then added on another assist uh, on the corner to, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. to a new. And so those are two guys that have only been with a team for a, a th- a two or three games now. And they're already yeah. making a huge impact. Yep. on this play and you can see you can you can just see it with you know and it really in this game this game wasn't a Reynoso game it really wasn't but it didn't need to be 
you know. No, no, it didn't. It was a team game. Okay. I, I, I thought everybody on the team played well. Uh, Reynoso had his moments of moments of brilliance, but so did Fragapane and so did Anu. Um, and I saw some glimmers of brilliance from Dotson as well. So it was a team game. I, yeah. I thought that, uh, that this was the first real display of uh, of team, real team cohesion that we'd seen all year from them because they absolutely, I thought they killed it this game. I thought they were great. Yep. Uh, there was, there weren't a lot of faults in their end. Oh, and they uh, came out like gangbusters in that first half. They just, yeah. they played great offense in that first half and put the pressure on uh, Austin and Austin just couldn't do anything with it. You know? Yeah. And that you know, first... they, they never took, took the pressure off either going into the second half. Uh, they, they, you saw the attacking line on uh, Minnesota United pretty far up the field, almost all, almost the whole game. Yep. And then maybe they dropped back a little toward the end of the game, but uh, that's very understandable trying to defend the two nil lead. I know I go off with saying, don't play defensively Minnesota United, but with the, when in a game that you're dominating like that, I think that's something you can afford to do. Yep. Yeah. And that, that, the first 20 minutes, it, I mean, if you turn the game on late or, or in your case, I don't know how much of the game you actually missed, but if you missed the first 20 minutes, you missed a lot. And it, in between those two goals by Frank and Anu, uh, Tyler Miller made a tremendous save that we should bring up. I think Tyler Miller ended up with four saves on the game, uh, yep. but had an outstanding game in general. And probably arguably I'll say, in my opinion, it was his best save of the game happened right in between those two goals. He literally made kind of, he got himself wide. Uh, but, sorry. I can't think of the Austin player at the time who took the shot, but he basically made a foot save. Um, he got his arms and legs out as wide as he could and just was in the perfect position to, to stop to stop block the shot, I should say. It was just tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about there. Uh, I, I don't know who the Austin player was either, but he, yeah, it was a great job by Tyler Miller. Just um, And he got a little bit lucky with, a, with, the, with the movement of his foot, but uh, it's a great job, just closed him down and there was made... Uh, yeah. I think it, he made the Austin player uh, a little nervous that he might not hit a point blank shot and he, yeah. and he was wrong. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you certainly, you can call you definitely Connor, you call it luck. I mean, he, he got lucky. I mean, we're talking about inches and it could have been different, but you know, it's, it's great technique and it's great positioning. It is. I absolutely agree. And yes. instincts that go, yeah. that go along with it. So yeah, it was just an exciting half. I started to get, as I was watching this game, I started to get uh, shades of uh, FC Cincinnati and uh, was it the year before? Or I keep saying the year before. I think a lot of people do. It would have been 2019 at Allianz where uh, Minnesota beat uh, FC Cincinnati 7-0. And 7-1, so two, yep. Was it 7-1 in the end? Sorry. Okay, it was 7-1, that, yep. So you know the game I'm talking about, but after yep. those two quick goals, I'm thinking, here we go, you know, against uh, another expansion team in Austin, even though, you know, Austin has some talent on their roster. Oh, that's what we should bring up kind of a, I was watching pregame. Like I usually try and do if I can. Um, but you know, Connor, you wouldn't have known this at the time probably, but uh, Alex ring actually got hurt in pregame warmups. He was in the starting 11 for Austin. Yeah. Alex ring was, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the starting 11, but got hurt during pregame warmups. So he was unable to make the start. And then within the first, I can't remember the exact minute, but within the first, um, Oh, I think it was minute nine, actually, before Frank Pony's goal. Yep. Nick Lima got hurt and yep. had to go, had to get out right. of the game. So, and Austin was already thin coming into the uh, game. You know, it's much has been said about their lack of a striker, but certainly did lose a player like Alex Ring, 
and then Nick Lima on the def defensive, you know, backfield. That's that's a really tough one for Austin to swallow. Yep, it was. Uh, they were again. They were. They didn't have enough guys there, but uh, it doesn't really matter because I I really believed after our first two goal guy two goals guys that we would just push on and just score like five or six goals and just kind of make amends for the beginning of the season. We're only scoring like one goal a game, but we didn't do that. We had our chances. Fragapani almost got a shot in the uh, minute after the into the second half. Hit the crossbar. Uh, Reynoso had a miss. Uh, Nico Hansen had a couple of near misses there, um, and that was it. And then we get towards the end of the game, guys, and he did something that he never does. And what is that, guys? You are not about to say he made a sub, not well, just a sub, and not as a sub. He is but, known to make a sub or two at times. All five of them. Oh all goodness. five subs. Who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? I, what has he done with Adrian Heath? I don't know, but he made all five subs in this game, which is crazy for Adrian Heath to do. Uh, but uh, it was, I think it needed to happen because I, I know he, he was probably thinking, hey, we got a game Saturday. Um in Portland. So we need to like, make sure these guys are fresh. And he did that. He, he pretty much unloaded the bench around the 76th minute. Um, a new came out for Ja'Cory Hayes in 65. Abila came in for Reynoso in 76, along with Alonzo for Metonier and McMaster for Fragapane. And then at the 87th minute, Agadello comes in for Nico Hansen. So there's your five right there. Um, which again, if you listen to this podcast, Adrian Heath does not like to do substitutions. So if and you're playing him in UFC bingo, you probably won right now. Exactly. Yep. And like I said in our like I said in our text, guys, anytime he doesn't make a substitution, he's asked about it, he will say, Well, the boys had a good, you know, good feel going on. I didn't want to break that up. Even if they look gassed, he doesn't like to do that. Well, yeah. Five subs says he he can do I it. Yeah, I think he knew what he was doing, um, knowing that they were in a three games in a week plus a day kind of stretch and coming into mm -hmm. a big, important road game against Portland. I think now after the fact, we can see maybe why he did that to get some of those. And I mean, all those players were, I mean, with exception of Alonzo, I mean, all four players were kind of attacking players, you know, yep. in, in Anu and Reynoso and, and Frank Apane and Hanson, they're all attacking players. So he wanted to probably keep those guys a little fresh going into Saturday, which, you know, at the time, if you're thinking about it, obviously you're up to nil and you're in a good spot in the game and why not get those players off? And yeah, I think it all kind of worked out in the end. Well, and the nice thing is guys, we get out of that game with the two nil win. Uh, we get our three points, which is what I said we needed to do. Uh, in this game we should have done in this game um and we go up in the standings i think uh like i think we go up one of the standings connor i think like one or two spots i think they got into ninth after that we got yeah. into ninth that day yeah mm -hmm. uh just behind lafc who was mm -hmm. eighth at the time but it was yeah critical three points and then yeah for mm -hmm. connor's benefit being there and actually for i was watching it on tv the mm -hmm. q wonder wall was just amazing to see that was yep. just awesome that atmosphere is just wonderful so they yep. yeah they needed that in front of nineteen thousand strong so yep it was uh it was good to see good to come out and just put uh austin put the expansion team in the ground man just just do it the two 
pretty much get back at him for an early season a loss that we had to him. That's another um, thing too. That's uh, we lost to Austin in that third out of the four games that we started the season too. So yep. revenge was in the blood, I believe. Uh, yep. We definitely, we really wanted to win this game. Uh, of course, we want to win them all, but uh, but Austin especially. You can't win them all, Connor. You just can't. no, you can't. No, you I mean, can't. You just can't do it unless you the. Yeah, I was gonna say my only complaint was they didn't get those seven goals that I wanted. Get that goal differential back well, up because they yeah. still sitting at less than a gold score per yeah. game at that yeah. point yeah. by one, I think. So we roll out of there, and guys, we're going to Portland. Um, and uh, we're going to take a little break right now, and we will talk about the Portland game when we come back. All right, we're back. Another short break. You know, really short. It always is. I tell you, it's advertisers. Why don't you give us more time, Tony? Advertisers, like, advertisers got to have their time, you know. Gotcha. You know, you know yeah. that's the way it works. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so guys, after the Austin game, go to Portland. Now, as I brought up uh, in this podcast, I think I brought this up earlier in the podcast. Um, Portland, we, we we played the game at ten thirty at night our time, eight thirty their time because it was flipping hot in mm-hmm. Portland. Right. And so uh, it was a late game um, that had me a little nervous because, well, even traveling to the West Coast when you're a East Coast or a, or a central team, the time difference can really get you. Um, and so had me a little nervous, but uh, starting laps, guys, same as Austin. Um, which which I think I was just on pins and needles all day Saturday. You know, like I said, I was, that's that's basically what I spent Saturday doing is waiting for this game. And but I that was one I just couldn't wait to see the starting eleven. Couldn't wait, couldn't wait because I'm like, what's gonna you know? Because and then you know, Tony, like you said, it's the same lineup, which mm-hmm. made me really happy. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Because I wanted, I wasn't actually expecting it with the with the game on Wednesday night. You know, and especially with the hot weather in portland i wasn't i wouldn't have been surprised if there was a change or two or even a formational change i just wouldn't have been shocked knowing heath but once i saw that lineup i was thrilled because i want those are the players i want to see out in the pitch and i wasn't you know wasn't disappointed in that regard definitely and uh, especially seeing the way that they played against austin and the way that the way their team chemistry worked out against austin uh you had the fe- it, it worked out really good so you had the feeling that if they play they played that way again they would play the same way and uh, it worked out well. Yeah, and Austin, I mean, we should say Portland. I, You know, Portland is typically a tough place to play. Uh, yeah. That's no shocker. Maybe it is part of that is because a lot of teams have to make the, the extra travel out to the mm-hmm. West Coast. But, you know, I think Portland was undefeated going into this match against uh, Minnesota. I think they had three wins and a draw. Do you know why it's, do you know why it's tough to play in Portland, Dave? Well, there's two reasons. Mm-hmm. One is because Portland, their stadium is turf. It's not real grass. That's one of the major things. I think they're changing it out, but seriously, I mean, what MLS team has turf? Is it turf? Yeah, wow. I it didn't even turf. notice that. Yeah. I didn't know that was yeah. turf. It's, art- yeah. it's artificial. Yeah. It's good turf. And, then, but... it's, yeah. And two, going to Portland, see a lot of guys think, oh, we're going to go to Seattle. And then they end up in Portland. They're like disappointed. So you're already kind of down because you really want to be in Seattle and you end up in Portland. That's well, not to, to be fair. Portland is a beautiful city. I've spent a lot more time in Seattle than I have in Portland. I've only I'm, spent a day or two in Portland. I'm it's just a beautiful little city. Dave, I'm just saying 
you're going to go to Seattle or Portland. I mean, well, if you want to go to Seattle, yeah, and they're probably disappointed when they go to Portland. You've got a point there. You really do. But as far as stadiums go, I, we probably talked about this. Portland's on the short list of stadiums. Well, actually, the list is growing exponentially, it seems, because there's so many new, really cool soccer-specific stadiums opening up. But Portland is a stadium that I would love to see Definitely. in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, except unless well, if it has natural grass, I want to go see it. If it doesn't, I'm done. Artificial turf in soccer makes absolutely no sense. But oh, yeah, and then I will say, and then the other thing we talked about last night too is kind of you know if you're feeling confident, okay, you got the same starting eleven. Minnesota's unbeaten in their last five games heading into this Portland match, riding some great momentum, um, and also history, you know, history. Yeah foreshadowing Connor maybe later in the pod, but history has uh, kind of served Minnesota well in this case. That's You can't always say the same thing like we talked about Dallas, our, our, our woes playing down in Dallas, but our history against Portland has been a good one, at least in the last three years or so, three, yeah. four years. Yeah, so uh, we Portland has never swept us in the year. Um, we They've never beaten us in uh, Minnesota, uh, and they've only beaten us – twice at their own their home stadium since since minnesota came into the M, uh, into the mls which was of course 2017 the the big opener which we all remember as a 5-1 yeah. massacre and then uh there was uh it was actually the other one was darwin quintero's first game as a loon um when quintero scored on the field but ever since ever since 2018 portland has never beaten the loons yeah, there's been a draw, right? There's a draw or two, but there's been a draw. Yeah, Minnesota hasn't lost in Portland since 2018. That's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, it's surprising um, in general because Portland is not, you know, they're uh, they've been in those years that we're talking about here in the last three or four years. They've been a solid team. They're not an they're not an easy team to beat. That's true. Remember, yeah. Do you remember? I'll never forget. Uh, yeah, it was what was it the quarterfinal or semifinal of the u.s open cup it was in, a semifinal uh, yep semifinal where they played two games in like three days in, in at uh, allianz field because they both had a regular Portland. season match yep. as well that yep. was a and minnesota ended up winning both those games i think it was yep. by one nil score lines maybe yep. two, no. one nil and two one yep one nil and two one so yeah close well they were i just remember them being very well played but minnesota got the result in both cases so yeah, good, well, uh, good, good history, good juju against Portland. So that that maybe they had to feel a little confidence. And they that. they were confident, Dave. So confident they scored a goal before I even turned the game on. Oh no, you didn't see. Oh, it. you didn't oh, see it. Oh no, I did not. Because uh, I was Tony, like I said, I was waiting all day for the game, so I had the well, pregame on. I, so I was I pregame on. <laughs> well, here's my problem. I thought I had a little bit of time. To get a game of baseball into my PS5. Oh, and no. I'm playing oh. it. And I get done with the game. I'm thinking, okay, it's like 10:35 or something like that, right? And so I shut it off. Blah, 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 and then I get into the game. And before I even get into the game, you guys are texting, woohoo. I'm going, what? The game just fucking started. What the hell? And then I see the replay. I'm like, shit, I missed it. Damn it. Uh, but yeah, Adrian Anu. Yeah. It's a nice shot there in the uh, center of the box. Uh, assisted, in, assisted by uh, Fragapane on that one. So that's right. Yeah. But you and, know and, the and, the real the real pass there, the, the real assist there should go to Emmanuel Reynoso with the yes. well, in the yeah. middle and, to Fragapane. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right, Connor. And I was just going to say that. Uh, and actually, to, to to be fair, Reynoso actually ended up with the assist on that goal. 
Yes, so they gave, he shut. They oh, gave he did. two assists. Yep. Okay. Yep. Gave two assists to Reynoso and Frankaponi, which they should have because I mean, mm-hmm. the play start in Minnesota. I mean, started out well. I think Gasper had it. There was a little give and go, but from Reynoso. But yeah, Reynoso made a great run, and it was it was a great run. He had four or five touches going down right down the middle of the field, right uh, through midfield, and it was almost surprising. It was a great run, but it was almost surprising that the space he had because we we all know how good Reynoso can be on the ball. He has that the the ball just kind of glued to his foot at mm-hmm. times, it seems like, but he really had a ton of space. So that was kind of surprising, but nevertheless, a good run. And he just got it out to Frank Apone, who, wow. I mean, they both deserve assists because yeah, Frank Apone's ball, not selfish at all, just put it right on, on his yep. foot. And all, all that was left at that point was a tap in. So it, it was just yeah. a wonderful sequence. To, and then that's why we get so excited to have your guys, you know, you got Anu and Frank Apone and Reynoso just, directly responsible for a goal it's so exciting you know and we didn't have this even like a month ago you know it just no. didn't exist we uh it's it's crazy they give a well it's it's great they give an assist to Reynoso in hockey they do that all the time I mean they you can do. have two assists on a goal yeah. and they and soccer should do that even more I think than they actually do yeah uh, because agree. uh this one is kind of a no-brainer but there are some other games where it's like the guy who passed the ball, the guy who passed the ball should also get an assist because he had a great pass too. Right. Um, so, um, so right off the bat guys, and I, it, this was the fastest goal in Minnesota United history. I was just uh, two minutes. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're off and running in Portland in the heat. Um, unfortunately after this guys, um, well, there was a lot of action, but there was, uh-huh. Really yeah, nothing just, else. I mean, yeah, in general, well, there are no you know, other goals. Th- there were yeah. no other goals. And it, and that's like if we're gonna talk about this game in general, um, it, it was it reminded me a little bit of the Austin game. I was wondering how Minnesota was gonna come transition from playing a team like Austin, who, you know, even though they had a good start of the season, they've kind of fallen off a little bit, and they were certainly depleted when they played Minnesota on Wednesday. But I was wondering if they were gonna do the same, if they were continue, if they were gonna continue with that press you know, Mm -hmm. against a team like Portland on the road. And boy, they certainly did. Um, The game, the game, actually the first half of the Austin game and actually all game in Austin, the whole game reminded me a lot of the Portland match where they, they definitely, especially in the first half pressed quite a bit, had a lot of, you know, meaningful possessions. And then kind of one thing that I want to touch on in general, and this has changed in the last few games, but it's, it's been a theme ever since uh, Anu and, Frank opponents have been starting for this club is the basically the shot efficiency where if you remember in those four losses one thing we'd talk about is the shots on goal were just terrible you know Mm -hmm. they might have 20 shots but nothing was on target well like in against Portland Minnesota had 12 shots you know which call it what you will it's not a huge number but five of those were on goal you know five of those were on target so their shot efficiency is going way up, and it has been for a few games now, which I'm really impressed to see. Mm-hmm. And this is a game where, like in this game, Nico Hansen had – I mean, is it Steve Clark, goalkeeper for Portland, made some tremendous yeah. – Yeah, he really did. He, he, really did uh, he, he made it hard. Like, it, if, if anybody but Steve Clark had been in goal that night, I think we could have won that game 4-0 probably. Yeah. Um, but and, Steve Clark and, really made himself big in that mm-hmm. goal. That's I, I agree. There was more just like Austin. I think Minnesota, maybe, you know, you're if I don't have the stat in front of me, unfortunately, but the expected goals, I bet was higher. I bet it was closer to two, at least two. 
Yep. Um, and because, yeah, I mean, Steve Clark made some tremendous saves to keep Portland in the game throughout the game. It wasn't just through stretches. I felt like Minnesota did a pretty good job. Um, obviously, there were stretches towards the end of the game where Portland was really, really pressing hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, though, and I will flip it now, I'll say the same thing. Tyler Miller just had another another great game. Although yeah. the one thing, that if, if I'm looking, if taking the 30,000-foot view of this game for, from a Portland standpoint, I feel like Portland it wasn't a Tyler Miller in the game in the sense that Austin was. Still, Tyler Miller made some nice saves and had a good game. But I feel like Portland really kind of shot themselves in the foot. I mentioned Ababasi's attempt uh, right before the char incident. Uh, but there was a few of those where they just didn't put the shot on well, target. And then to yeah. back that up, they yeah. had Portland had 22 shots. They really started pressing middle to late second half. They only, they only ended up with two shots on goal. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Miller made a nice save or two, but he didn't have to make the saves he did against Austin. And so it was really Portland kind of, you know, you, you look at, you look at Portland and say, Oh, you, you should have done better with that. You should have done better with that. I think Portland nearly should have scored the, the, or tied the game up before halftime nearly did. But again, I don't think that shot was on target. I think it sailed wide. And so, yeah, this was kind of Portland. Portland's got to be disappointed because they're thinking, Oh, we should have at least got a point out of this, at least got it, you know, found a way to tie it up, but uh, they did not. And I think that was mainly due to Portland's poor execution. Well, and uh, you know, in a game like this, guys, you have to be kind of a little bit, different with how you're going to press because the temperature is so hot. You don't want to be pressing all the time. And I think Minnesota did a great job last night of, of like picking their points of when they were going to press and when they weren't going to press to save those guys a little bit of energy. And you could tell into the second half, the, the guys were getting, both sides were getting gassed. Both sides were, were kind of, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. But Portland was extremely gassed in the first half. They looked after that first goal within like the 10 or 15th minute, Portland's guys were walking around like the heat was really getting to them, which right. is surprising. Well, not surprising because it's Portland. They don't, they're not used to this heat. What's surprising to me is Minnesota actually was kind of using the heat to their advantage, which we know guys that they do not play well in heat. We go to Dallas, right. Houston, down in Texas, we don't play well down there. So playing out here, I was a little bit concerned that we're going to have that kind of Texas flow to it where we just are not on our game, and we were surprised. Well, yeah, was great, it a great humid point. heat the other night? Was it what? Was it a humid heat? I don't remember uh, what the humidity was. In Portland? Portland? I, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't – I wouldn't think – it's not a, it can't be a dry heat up there on the coast. I really don't no. know. I've never, I've been to, like I said, I haven't been to Portland too many times, but, and it was never hot when I was there, but yeah, I wouldn't expect too much humidity, but you know, it's not like a dry heat. It's definitely going to be, no. it's, you know what? It's probably, if it was 106 here, I bet it's, I bet it feels similar to 106 in Portland, which yeah. we know is darn hot, but yeah, Tony, you know, great point. And I think that's why, getting the fastest goal scored in Minnesota United history in this game was massive to, yes. you know, not even to, it was like a minute and a half in. So within two minutes, you're, you're winning on the road. That was huge. That was just huge to be able to play with a lead from the second minute on incredible. Oh. And that, that made a difference in this game. And so that was, you know, you're, if you're Portland, you're like, well, it was unfortunate, you know, yeah, but if you're a Minnesota, really 
if you're a Minnesota United fan, if you score in the second minute, that just makes you nervous for the rest of the game. Oh yeah, of course it does. The rest yeah. of the game was you're, you're sitting on pins and needles because right. really um, you could tell, like I said, both teams were, were back and forth, back and forth. Um, you're right, Dave, uh, Portland kicked themselves or shot themselves in the foot numerous times on attempts. Um, and we, and, and from my standpoint, we kind of did a little of that too. There were a couple attempts there that could have been made. Nico Hansen had at least one attempt where it should have been a goal. Um, but he, he, he didn't fluff it, but the goal, uh, Clark came out and kind of stopped him. Uh, but again, guys, um, this game was a much needed game. Um, we did do what we had to do, getting that goal in the first minute and then riding it out. And here's, um, here's one for you, Tony. I'm looking at now expected goals. I was pretty close. Expected goals, which I know some people like the stats. I like it. Some people don't. Expected goals for Minnesota was uh, 2.1 versus uh, 1.6 for Portland. So Yeah, exactly right. Uh, it was on, and, and on, on 12 shots compared to Portland's 22. So that's, right. that's pretty significant. But yeah, they're, they're Portland's expected goals number kind of it started going up dramatically into that uh, late, you know, mid to late second half. Cause they were, no. they did start putting the pressure on them. Uh, they did in the second half. And uh, we already talked about the whole situation uh, in the second half and 66 minute. Uh, so we need to discuss that anymore, but really in the second half, it was us kind of, kind of bearing down and uh, not allowing them to get too many shots. Um, and we did that. I think our defense did well. Uh, there were a couple instances where we didn't get back on time that I was really scared that shit was going to hit the fan. However, Portland kind of helped us out a couple times in that. Um, again, Nico Hansen had a couple chances. I, I think uh, Reynoso had a chance or two. Anu had a couple chances. Um, guys had chances. They were getting opportunities, uh, which we couldn't say that in the beginning of the season, guys. The first couple games of the season – we talked about how they weren't getting good chances. They were getting chances, but they weren't good chances. A lot of these were good chances um, that Steve Clark made some great plays on. Um, so is this team finally the way it's supposed to be? Is this team the team that we were promised in the beginning of the season? You know, it sure looks like it. Yeah. Uh, yep. Based on the way they play, their their pressure has been so much better. Their attacking and their chance creating has been so much better. Their mm -hmm. passing, their vision on the field. Uh, I've seen Minnesota United probably switch the switch fields uh, more times this season than I have in the entire rest of the seasons uh, mm -hmm. uh, that they have played in the MLS. And I love to see that because that means they're looking more toward the other side of the field where there is usually an open man. Yep. Um, but uh, I think everything has has vastly improved since the beginning of the season. Uh, and because of this win, we now sit in fifth place in the Western Conference, uh, which we could expand on maybe this week with a game against San Jose. But uh, it's I, I think we're back at it. And uh, I don't want to say I'm just going to knock on wood here because I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but um, I, I love I've loved what I've seen the past couple games. And if they continue that, we'll be in good form. Yeah. And yeah, I, I totally agree. And honestly, it goes back to, for me, what we talked about before this season really even started, you know, never mind the four losses to start it, but, you know, you know, preseason when we were talking about 
um, players like Anu and Frank Apane, who were kind of at that time unknown. We didn't know what was, was going to happen, but this team I feel has a win now mentality. I mean, you know, bringing in players of their caliber. I think, I think that's one good sign. And then basically, you know, coming off that point is the fact that this team has depth to handle long, you know, the long dog days of summer and long stretches of, of multiple games in a week. They, they have the depth, you know, especially now uh, it's a shame they're losing Boxel for the Olympics, like you mentioned, Tony, but it, it is, you know, getting lewd back and, and Retalia for a little center back depth. And they have, they have players like Alonzo, you know, not even starting and they, they, they just have a really, really solid team. Um, and I think it was shored up. I mean, we were all a little concerned with the defensive uh, miscues earlier this season, but again, I think players are starting to get better, whether it's they're shaking off the rust or they're better because they, there's better players around them. So these players are gaining strength through each other, which is a great, great thing to see. So this team is building confidence and, and, you know, quite frankly, the ability is getting better too. So, yeah, I think, I think we, we've got a lot of reason to be optimistic. You know, I don't know if I would have expected a six now six game unbeaten streak uh, after those four losses, but here we are to put, put them right back into the hunt of the playoffs. And it's great to see it's, we know Western conference is always going to be congested. It always is, at least since uh, Minnesota has been in the MLS. But uh, here we go. I think, yeah, I mean, the next stretch of games, uh, specifically as you get into the middle of July, when unfortunately box will be gone, but it'll be interesting because then after San Jose um, at home, you have they have to go out to Colorado, who's played very well this year. And then after that, they have Seattle. Mm-hmm. The, Seattle's off to their best start in MLS history, which is – crazy because i mean actually seattle has been known for some for some rough starts but they're they're just like on another level right now compared to every other team in the mls so that'll be an interesting game fortunately it's at Allianz. then they welcome portland back and laf then they'll have to go out to lafc so this you know the next five games it'll be interesting do i expect them to go uh, unbeaten not necessarily but if they can get you know a couple good wins in that stretch of five games they'll be still you know in a pretty good spot yeah it's uh I guess what I'm seeing now is the the attacking is is where it needs to be. I'm a little concerned about defensively. Um, I know we picked up a lot of guys in the offseason defensively, but you know we still. I hate to say it. I I, I believe he thought that Ike was going to be back, which is why he didn't shore up his defensive, uh, the middle defenders as much as he probably should have. Um, and this is just having Boxel out for, you know, a number of games is going to kind of be a little bit tough for us. I think um, we're going to have to really watch how Kelman or Retalia does in that center back position. Um, and if we get creamed in a couple games because of lack of depth there, you're going to have a lot of people shouting on, on social media about what they didn't do in the off season, as opposed to what they did do. Um, so I was right though. Um, well, I wasn't right, but my nine points in the next three games is potentially coming to fruition. I said that we need at least seven. Yep. We need at least seven. So we get a tie against San Jose and we get our seven, which is what we needed to come back into the fold uh, in the Western conference. Um 
Yeah, it happened quicker. It happened quicker than I thought. I mean, I, right. I, I was, I was, even when you made that prediction, Tony, um, and hopefully, hopefully we get all nine or, you, you know, at this point you're hoping for all nine, because I think we're all mm-hmm. kind of looking at the Portland game and saying, well, if you can get a draw on the road, like they did against Dallas, maybe good enough if you can sandwich that with two home wins. But uh, yeah, I, I still didn't really, I mean, it's amazing how condensed the the standings are. I just didn't see that jump from basically 11th to fifth in two games, but that, Hey, that's MLS. That's what happens when you get six points. Yep. Um, bam, bam. So yeah, that's, it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Flip side is you can kind of lose that, but bottom line is they got back with the six game unbeaten streak. They got back to where, they needed to be where everybody expected them to be. I mean, obviously we expected them to be even higher in the standings at this point, but to, to be where they are after losing the first four games is nothing short of remarkable because they're already on a, a 1.4 points per game base uh, average, which the way they start out the season, you know, you, you saw all the pundits or whatever, kind of like, well, here's what it would take to get, you know, back into the playoffs and average this many points. Well, when you go on six game unbeaten streaks, that happens. So here you go. Right. Just um, take the just yeah. Basically, what happens is now four wins, four losses. It just kind of averages out through the first ten games of the uh, year. Yep. So we got uh, San Jose coming up this Saturday, guys. It will be at Allianz Field, seven o'clock game the day before the Fourth of July. So it should be a should be a really good one. Uh, lots of fans, lots of cheering. I to go back briefly to our Fragapane stuff guys i'll be interested to see if fragapani starts on saturday how the fans react to him uh on the pitch that's what um, i worry about um that is we all, uh, know what, we all know what happened with common when uh yeah. when he first came back yeah and but common's thing a little different um there were there were some he had his own opinions about things and you can you can decide whether or not you like it you can say you know kelman I don't agree with you. I'm going to boo you. Or you can say, Kelman, you're your own person. You do what you want to do. Um, but that was like out there. I mean, people could right. see that. The Fragapane thing is a little different. Um, so we'll see how fans treat Fragapane on Saturday if he starts. Um, that's, yeah, that's why I just, I hope whatever happens, I mean, I hope they come to a quick resolution. I, you yeah. know, the investigation, I just really hope it comes to a quick, quick resolution. So at least we don't know. So if he has to be, uh, suspended or whatever the repercussions of, you know, I'm not honestly sure of what, you know, what the penalties could or would be, but, uh, one way or another, whether they find out for better or worse, I just hope it, uh, it gets cleared up as soon as possible. So we know that. And you know what, you know what I want to hear Dave? Now, if they decide that Fragapane did something, did that, what he, what he was, accused of doing well let's My, let's uh, if the worst i mean let's say the worst came out and he, he made a terribly race racist mm-hmm. malicious comment to diego chara then mm-hmm. you know he has to be punished there's no doubt about oh that. yeah the punishment oh yeah absolutely. well i mean he will be i guess but he'll be punished not a question of if it, it but, he will be but we don't know that that's i want i want him to do what um professional sports athletes rarely do and that is to come on in front of the public apologize be sincere about it don't give any excuses of why you said it or what you meant or whatever it was apologize ask for forgiveness and and let that 
let it go from there. Absolutely. Too many times, too many times in professional sports, you get these athletes who apologize and you don't believe that they actually are apologizing. They're reading off a, they're reading off a freaking press release that their agent did or whatever. And it's like, you're not apologizing dude yeah that would be refreshing too it would be refreshing because here's the thing and this so my first scenario was okay let's say he said something extremely racist and it was derogatory against Diego Char and that's one possibility but here's why another possibility would be you know because right now I think what could frustrate fans is the fact that Frank Opponent basically told Heath or basically told the team that he did nothing. He said nothing. He did nothing. Derogatory. Okay, fine. But something happened. Okay. I think everybody agrees on that. Something clearly happened. I mean, unless Chara completely misheard him, but it seems unlikely. So something happens. It, it would be nice to know what was said and, and, and maybe well, at least what Fregapane's version of events. Is. Yeah, even mm-hmm. if it is one of those things, and I'm not saying like let's say here's another scenario. I'm not saying right or wrong or good or bad. I'm just saying what if it is a scenario where he said some term that could be considered severely racist here in the United States, but if you're in Argentina, it's not something that's considered racist. Well, I think everybody would just like to know. Now, I'm not justifying that. I'm just saying we it would be Tony, like you said, it'd be nice to know what happened. And because then at least, you know, whatever he said, even if it was something that is perfectly acceptable in Argentina, it is not acceptable here in MLS in the United States. So at least it can be a learning moment. You know, you don't want to just whisk over this and just say, oh, you know, nothing happened. But at the very least, it could be a learning moment for him, because if if he did say some phrase or word or whatever. Yep. Agreed, but you even can learn if, from it not to use that word again. Ab- you know? Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. But I think I still think in that uh, in that moments that uh, even if it is a learning moments, uh, I think Tony's right that he should come out and apologize, even if he <laughs> didn't say something. Oh yeah, um, don't take me wrong. Don't take me wrong. I I, I just yeah, I, I was looking for transparency there. Right. Yeah. No yeah, it's uh, the slippery ignorance, slope, guys. Yeah, I mean you can't. I mean I'm not saying ignorance to our culture is mm-hmm. ignorance is not an excuse it's not what right. i'm saying right. i'm just you know it might help clear the air a little bit but yeah it would certainly be it would be something that he would need to apologize for because you know again ignorance is not an excuse he didn't know that but that's not good enough he he would need to make an apology if that if that was the case but again i don't even know if that is the case so we don't know um so i think we got some time for some history connor okay uh, well, I will get into it really quickly after I give you a, f- a few fun facts about the upcoming game in San Jose, uh, who have also not beaten us since uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, San Jose right now has the worst goal difference in the Western Conference at negative eight, and mm-hmm. they have let in the most goals. They are the only team right now with 20 goals allowed in wow. the Western Conference. Jeez. So I guess maybe I should, uh, this leading up to this game next week, and I should stop complaining about Minnesota's goal differential then. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, we only have a negative two goal difference now. Oh, so that's it's, nothing uh, compared yeah, to San Jose. We're pretty good. All right, so let's move on to some history. Uh, and I think I've got a pretty good one for you, for you uh, guys. Um, uh, you might remember that uh, last show, I went a, a little forward and went to June 22nd, in which nothing happened. Right. There was nothing happened in Minnesota soccer that day. So we're going right. to start from 
June 23rd, uh, in 1979, when the kicks win against, Good year. The, Good year. against the Dallas Tornado. Two nice. Hill. See, now Dallas Tornado works. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Move up forward to the 24th here, and we are going to go with... Uh, we're going to go with 2007 when the Minnesota Thunder get a win away at the California Victory 1 0. Vic, Vic, have we talked about the victory before because that's just a yeah, yeah. I mean, what happens when the victory loses? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good I point. I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> uh, 2000 on Jan- uh, June 25th, 2000, uh, the Thunder win another away win at the Tennessee Rhythm. Four two. Yeah. That works. Tennessee rhythm. I like good. the Tennessee yeah. rhythm. Good deal. Good. good deal. Um, 1976, the very first year of Minnesota soccer, Minnesota kicks soccer here. Uh, the kicks went away to LA and beat the LA Aztecs one nil. All right. LA Aztecs. I don't know if there are Aztecs in LA, but whatever. They might um, be. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to today. And I'm going to go with 1999 when the Thunder lost a shootout uh, after playing to a nil-nil draw at home against the Rochester Raging Rhinos. Oh, yeah, the Raging Rhinos. That's right. Got to love those guys. 1999. I remember Jeez. that year, actually, the Thunder uh, the Thunder actually went on to win the entire league that year in when, 1999. And they actually beat the Rhinos in the final. When did the Thunder win the league? I mean, the Thunder were like the great team back in those days. They were just yeah. awesome. Yeah, they won it in 99. Um, oh. I th- they made three finals in a row, but they only mm-hmm. won the, the 99. I think they lost both the 98 and the 2000 final. Damn. Damn. Wow. That's yeah, there's your history for the day, brief, boys. Brief history. Yeah, um, only, only five days this time. There you go. Um, so... Before we get out of here, guys, I just wanted to mention: Did you guys see the the guy at the uh, the uh, what is it called the uh, the bike race out in uh, what's the bike Tour de France? Did you guys see the guy? No. The uh, cardboard cutout guy. No. So so the Tour de France, everybody, I'm sure everybody knows this. It's a big bike race in France. Uh, former Minnesotan Greg Lamond won the Tour de France a couple times. Um, so they have a couple of regions they go through where they're they're kind of country roads and. Uh, fans are allowed to stand on the side of the roads and cheer on the bikers. Now, if you've ever seen a bike race, they're all packed together pretty closely, right? Mm -hmm. There was a fan who had a big um, cardboard sign that said something. He held it out into the road, hit a biker. The biker flipped over, caused a mass accident, bikes flying everywhere, caused a huge pileup at the Tour de France. And now they're trying to find this guy who had the uh, the sign that put the sign out there. So, um, wow. yeah. Could you imagine? Was anybody like uh, injured or anything? Or? Oh, I'm sure there were some injuries. I didn't yeah. read about that. But uh, could you imagine being that guy and being like, oh, look, I got my sign up here. And all of a sudden the guy smacks into you and caused a mass yep. pileup. It's like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now there's a big thing uh, for Tour de France about not allowing spectators to be on the sides of the roads anymore because this has happened, which 
I'm surprised this is, this is the first time this has happened. So yeah, now that yeah, yeah now that yeah. now that you say that, Tony, I I remember seeing. I mean, I don't follow Tour France closely at all, but I remember seeing a headline or highlight of of a massive crash, and I didn't realize that's how. Yeah, it yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, really? We're gonna we're gonna have our big sign out the Tour de France and cut somebody off. It's like holy shit. Uh, you got to feel bad. It's kind of like the Steve Bartman thing in baseball. You got to feel bad. I mean just feel bad for the person who did that but also you're like how can he be so damn stupid i mean yeah come on um so yeah we got a game next week guys uh saturday against uh san jose here alliance field connor i'm sure you'll be there uh i will not for this one actually i'm uh oh that's right you're going up to uh lake Yep, I'm going up to go lake with my with my wife. We're gonna go to my mother-in-law's cabin. Mm. So uh my dad and my stepmom who are on the season ticket account with me, they are taking my uh my uncle Larry to oh. uh who has never been to a uh soccer game uh here. And wow. so uh so I'm giving him my ticket and he's gonna go see a Minnesota United game. Good All right. Yeah. Well, so first timer, awesome. Where uncle Uncle Larry should have a good time then, huh? Yeah, he'll uh, he'll have a good time. Hopefully they get He's, the. He loves the sports stuff. Good. Hopefully they yeah. get the uh, victory for him. I mean, Minnesota. Well, I the, would hope so against San Jose. We always Minnesota's number. Minnesota is the early favorite. Uh, of course they are minus minus one thirty five. So of course. We'll All right, guys. Before we get out of here, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Tony, for Dave and Connor, uh, we'll talk to you guys in like a week or a little bit or something like that. So we'll see you later. See what happens with the yeah. uh, 4th of July schedule. But Yeah. 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 All right.